Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. edition of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Hornish 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. Uh, before we get into a, a big edition of today's show, we want to ask you guys to go anywhere you can find our podcast, and that's basically anywhere you can get a podcast, uh, and like, subscribe, review, all those things, all those good things that uh, that make our podcast look good. Uh, we also want to point you to the other great shows on the Hornish 24-7 network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Uh, before we get into everything, Nick, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, back on the show after a week off, but ready to get into it. Yeah, it's been a it's the start of um, of uh, spring football for us, and got a lot of things going on. So timing's not always going to match up, um, you know, when it comes to that. So uh, we ask you guys to bear with us. So you know, most times we want to get it in, but um, time, like I said, timing's not always going to match up on those things. So uh in last last week's case was was kind of that so um we'll definitely talk about some of those travels some of those um you know some of those guys we saw nick why don't we jump right in there you've been to uh west texas twice in the past two weeks so god bless you um and uh why don't you just tell us about your travels you hate on west texas too much it's beautiful driving out there um so last week i uh i went out to el paso to catch up with uh four-star running back target to boris jones um, just caught him in a uh, off-season workout and was able to chop it up with him for, you know, a good 45 minutes to an hour. And, you know, I think Texas is doing really good work in that recruitment. Um, you know, Brandon Harris and Stan Drayton, they have kind of keyed on to Boris as, you know, their primary target for that second running back take here in the class of 2022. And Tavoris is open to being in that two-back class. He's taking his official visit with Jadon Blue. He has a really good relationship with him. Um, and, you know, we've mentioned it on this podcast before and we've mentioned it on the site. You know, Tavoris is a guy that, you know, we're keeping an eye on as a possible, um, you know, possible guy that could go ahead and commit while on his official visit in June. And uh, also since the last time we recorded, um, the NCAA has approved the dead period to uh, end on May 31st. So these visits will happen in June and uh, it's going to be kind of a crazy June. Um, but yeah, Tavoris Jones, that's, a, that's definitely going to be one of the first names we're going to be keeping an eye on uh, during that visit season. And then uh, yesterday, uh, I went out to Lubbock to catch up with Brennan Thompson, four-star athlete. Um, he was uh, in his area track meet, and, you know, that's kind of where he, he made his name for himself in track last year and, uh, you know, what made him get all those offers early last year. And um, he's been battling a bad ankle, but he's still been, been able to put up some pretty solid times yesterday in, in bad conditions. He was able to put up a 10-5-5 and uh, went ahead and won the area championship. So uh, in the 100-meter and the 200-meter. So He's a guy that will most likely be in Austin here in a couple of weeks for the state track meet. And I asked him, you know, how excited he is for that. And he, he said he's, he's thrilled to get down there and, 
you know, from the recruitment side of things, uh, Texas is doing a phenomenal job and, you know, catching back up in that race. Um, you know, I think they're in the top three right now and it's, it's pretty dead set on, you know, Texas, Oklahoma state and Texas A&M, um, you know, Clemson had quite a bit of momentum earlier this spring after Kate Klubnik had committed and, uh, you know, they were kind of you know pushing pretty hard, uh, but it looks like Thompson might be looking to stay closer to home. Uh, nevertheless, I'm still keeping an eye on Clemson and Alabama since he is planning on taking official visits to both of those places. Uh, but that recruitment's definitely starting to heat up and Texas is right in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, so the obviously good news for those who, who like speed and, and all those sorts of things um, for, you know, for, uh, for me, um, been able to see a bunch of guys as well in the last couple of weeks. Um, it's basically just been out hitting schools here and there, and it's really going to ramp up. Uh, actually, really started to ramp up this week, um, but uh, you know, I've been able to see uh, at Louisville. I saw Monty Winfield and and Jordan Renaud, the the five star twenty three D lineman, who um, you know, Texas <laughs> Texas is kind of in that race. Um, and I say kind of, I mean, I think that, that, that kid ends up at a, a, an SEC school, but, um, you know, I, 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 we're not going to get too in depth on him tonight. Um, the, probably the biggest news of, of my week was, um, I've been Nick, as you know, knee deep at the transfer market and doing stuff in there, but, um, uh, seeing Cole Hudson earlier this week at Frisco high, um, I just continue to feel good about where things stand with Texas and Cole Hudson. You know, I think that at the worst, they're like in the top two, um, probably with Oklahoma at this point. Um, and I think that they've just done a phenomenal job recruiting him and, and really showing him what a priority he is. So um, I think that, that that's definitely in play. Uh, and then uh, went out to Tyler and saw uh, Jamarian Miller, which um, I think that's a, that's a race that's heading in the opposite direction. I think Texas is fading big time in that race. Uh, so uh, a, a few ups, a few downs. Um, I did mention the the transfer portal. And we've got, by the way, all of this up on Horns 24-7. Um, so please check it out. And as we're recording this, I'll have um, reported some of this news tonight for the first time. But uh well, earlier in the week, I, I did hear that uh, the four-star receiver, Xavier Worthy, was looking to get out of his letter of intent again. I know we kind of did this around the time Sark was hired, and there was a lot of talk that Worthy was going to, um, you know, look deep into Texas if that were to happen. Um, it didn't end up happening initially, but uh, was told again this week that that it was definitely going to happen. And, um, and uh, I guess an hour or two before we got on the air today it, it happened so um he's back out there one of the speediest wide receivers in the country i mean he's a legitimate 10-5 uh kid and uh, would be eligible in the class of 2021 i just see uh i see texas uh, you know playing a role there and um and and being a guy that or being a team that is a fit for him i've also heard georgia kind of mixed in that race some some people have said georgia some have not so um you know we'll kind of see how it shakes out uh but uh the the uh recruitment of xavier worthy is going to be one to watch and then a newer name that that we're kind of looking into uh in the transfer market is the name of a former usc linebacker and five-star top 15 player in the country. And I'm going to butcher the name, but here we go. Paula Ie Na Ote Ote. Um, and uh, he is, from what I hear, has been in a lot of talks with uh, 
with Texas and uh, they feel really good about where things stand there. And I think a lot of that is, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's the experience that Jeff Choate and Pete Kwiatkowski have recruiting out West, especially in those, those States out West where Texas has never been a factor like Nevada, um, you know, a little bit of Utah, they're getting into Washington way more now. So um, interested, interested to see their expansion out there. And if they could continue to reel in guys like this from those parts of the country, you know, I think that those are big wins. And, you know, speaking of guys like that, I think in the past couple of weeks to a couple of guys that we've seen that have come onto the radar and, have, and look like guys that, are, are good possibilities to, to be in this class. Um, one is Zach Swanson uh, from, from the Arizona area, from Phoenix, uh, Brophy Prep, a defensive lineman. Um, just a guy that, uh, you know, I, as from talking to our guys out West have told me, he, he basically is really under the radar. They had to send somebody to the school once just to make sure he was a real person because he, he doesn't come to a lot of camps or anything like that. Um, but a really good player, a really strong guy that's going to develop into an interior uh, defensive lineman, I believe. Um, you know, from from all sounds of it, you know, Texas is really taking control in that recruitment um, and, and is pushing pushing ahead for a commitment. And then another kid from out in that area, Robbie Snelling from uh, Reno. Robbie is a uh, two-way player, a baseball player, and a football player. Uh, he was previously committed to Stanford to play uh, baseball and uh, – decommitted and and so he's looking at schools with both programs and obviously texas baseball has a lot to offer as well so um and i, th- I think he's like a left-handed pitcher uh throws like 96 97 or something like that so he's got some some serious heat um i obviously you know these aren't areas we're used to them well arizona is not an area that i'm not used to them recruiting but reno nevada definitely is so um not knowing a ton about that area, you know, we're just going to have to dig in with our guys out there and kind of um, investigate what, what the competition's like and probably make a trip at some point. So um, stay tuned for all those things, but we want to touch on, on all that. Nick, anything else football wise before we jump over to basketball? I just wanted to touch a little bit more on Robbie Snelling, been talking to some sources on the Texas baseball side of things and they are really, really high on this kid. Uh, you know, Stanford was pretty beat up whenever he, he decommitted from their baseball program. And um, this would obviously be a, a huge win for the baseball team as well, because it would be a free spot for them um, being able to, you know, have a scholarship player on the football team, be able to play baseball. And it just so happens that he's one of the best in the country. So uh, I expect both of those sides to recruit him pretty hard on, on his official visit. Um, that's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of funny, too, is I feel like they're in on a ton of these, like, dual sport guys. Um, we'll see how much it works out. Like, I, I, when's the last time, I guess, Nick, off the top of your head, when's the last time a, fo- a Texas football player has uh, been a prominent presence on the baseball team? Oh, goodness. This would be a perfect question for our friend Guy Frazier. Um yeah. I can't think of, I mean, I, I really can't, I, you know, you can think through college football and Pat Mahomes doing it and James Winston doing it and guys like that, but Tyler, I honestly can't think of, of Texas doing it. So I can't we'll really see. One. I, I do know there was a uh, pretty good quarterback at uh, Garland Lakeview Centennial. Yeah. C- Cam Fields. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the Cam Fields could have been a division one football prospect um, at safety, I think. 
Uh, but yeah, that, that's one I, I suppose. So, uh, yeah. So there, we'll touch the the Texas baseball page for you there a little bit. Uh, Nick, it was re- a really big hoops weekend for you. You uh, you were on the ground at the uh, the Great American Shootout in Duckettville. Um, one of the, uh, I guess, from what I understand, one of the premier tournaments in the country. Um, a lot of talent out there, and you covered it as well as anybody. Uh, just give us a rundown of kind of not only the tournament, who played well, but any recruiting scoop and, and what, what's the buzz right now with uh, with Chris Beard and, and the Longhorns? For sure, yeah, the Great American Shootout, um, one of the best uh, tournament events here in the state of Texas. And they, uh, they put up a, a bracket-style 32-team uh, tournament this past weekend in Duncanville at the Duncanville Fieldhouse in Duncanville High. And, uh, you know, some of the best players in the state were, were in attendance. Um, 12 of the 22 offers in the class of 2022 for Texas were in action. Um, my tournament MVP was uh, Keontae George, uh, the uh, shooting guard out of the high school in Louisville. Um, he, he was phenomenal all weekend. And in the semifinal matchup, um, he dropped 41 points, which I, I believe he probably only played around 24 or 25 minutes. So that was a huge, huge, uh, you know, production number for him. And he hit the game winner uh, with about one second left to, to send them to the championship. And his Southern Assault team ended up winning the championship. So, uh, you know, that was really awesome to see. Um, another player that really uh, caught my eye this weekend was Zuby Edgy 4 uh, the four-star power forward from Garland. I went and saw him during the basketball season at Garland. And uh, he looks much more fine-tuned now. He's getting way more physical in the paint. I had kind of come out of that game uh, that he had with Garland in the, uh, back in the winter with the impression that, you know, he's got this really good size, but he doesn't really use it to his advantage. Um, but th- that's starting to change, and he's, he's been getting some work in, and you can definitely tell. And he was one of the best players all weekend. He really, uh, you know, he, he really surprised me and surprised a lot of people. His uh, Beast Up team going into the weekend was the number seven team just in DFW, and they ended up in the final four of the tournament. So uh, they're definitely going to be shooting up in those rankings in the uh, AAU circuit. Um, yeah, those talent, I mean, up and down uh, – every roster uh there was guys like arterio morris who showed out uh bryce griggs austin nunez vincey wuchukwu um jordan walsh tj caldwell and you know these are all just names here in the state of texas alone um that are starting to make some you know serious uh you know waves on the on the recruiting circuit recruiting circuit and uh you know these are guys that texas is in on i think uh for keontae george we can start with him um, Texas is doing a really good job so far, and he has a really good relationship with Chris Beard. You know, being able to merge his relationship with Chris Beard at Texas Tech to his interest in Texas, um, it looks like it's going to, you know, it could possibly be a perfect marriage down the line. And he has a crystal ball in for the professional route. Um, he is the number 10 overall player in the country, the number one shooting guard. So he'll definitely have those opportunities. Um, but in talking to him last weekend, he said his family is focusing on, you know, t- uh, taking the education route. And, uh, you know, if, if that is if that is the case, and that bodes really well for Texas, uh, you know, being able to land Keontae. Um, another player that, you know, Texas is really in on at this point with Chris Beard is uh, Anthony Black, the four-star combo guard out of Capel. Um, he was in action for uh, Empire this past weekend, and um, it wasn't his best weekend, but defensively he was all over the place. And, you know, that's always going to be his floor, which, uh, you know, provides, you know, a really good player overall. Um, and whenever he can, you know, get to finishing inside and, you know, get inside the paint and, you know, be able to make that shot from outside, he becomes one of the best players on the court, um, you know, no matter who you're playing. And, you know, Texas, again, is doing a really good job there. 
Um, he has a really strong relationship with Chris Beard, and he already had a lot of interest in Texas. You know, I think Texas is the runaway favorite at this point in his recruitment. He's a he's another kid that I think once he gets on a visit uh, in, in the summer can, um, can could probably commit on the spot. And him and Keontae are really tight. Uh, they watched all of the tournament together. They hang out or talk every day. Uh, these are kids who want to play together at the next level. So, um, you know, if Texas is able to use that to their advantage, then it looks like they could have a pretty good guard class in the class of 22. Uh, but looking outside of recruiting, uh, looking at the transfer market, it's been really active this week. Um, Texas was able to uh, land the four-star power forward from Utah, Timmy Allen. He was a first-team All-Pac-12. Uh, really good rebounder, really good uh, size and um, physical inside. Uh, he's going to be able to, you know, fill one of those uh, spots that Texas is going to need to fill in the front court. Um, uh, another transfer ad that they were able to grab this week was Devin Askew, uh, the uh, guard from Kentucky. Um, you know, he's going to, he's a guy that has a really high ceiling, uh, but maybe kind of a low floor. I, I think Chris Beard and, you know, his strengths with coaching the guard position, I think uh, will play into Devin Askew's favor. And especially with Andrew Jones coming back and, you know, that, that guard room expected to be, you know, kind of filled. Uh, Devin will probably get, you know, quite a bit amount of time to you know, get used to the system um, before he, uh, you know, has to contribute uh, in, in a major way. Um, but that's a guy I'm really excited about. He's a three-level scorer. He can finish inside really well, and he can uh, get really hot from outside. Uh, he's a really active defender. He moves really well laterally. Um, you know, both of these transfer ads are super solid. And, you know, looking forward right now, <laughs> the roster only has six guys for next year, but um, Chris Beard has been going hard on the transfer market. I mean, it seems like every single day a new name is popping up on my radar as far as, you know, Texas uh, showing some interest. So they're throwing some uh, feelers out just about all over the country. And, uh, you know, we're trying to keep an eye on it the best we can here at Horns 24-7. All right. Uh, the other thing is uh, Chris Beard did finalize his staff today. Um, any thoughts on them as a staff, as recruiters, anything like that? Yeah, 100%. Um, he was able to get guys from all over the state, which I found, um, you know, particularly interesting. Chris Ogden from, uh, he came from UT Arlington. Does a pretty good well recruiting the uh, DFW area. That's going to be a guy that they'll definitely be able to use to their advantage. Um, uh, Rodney Terry, the former head coach at UTEP, he's going to be huge in the recruitment of 2023 five-star shooting guard KJ Lewis out of El Paso Shapin. He was another kid that I was able to see on my trip out to El Paso, and he has a really strong relationship with Coach Terry. Um, so th that's definitely going to be one that Texas is going to try to use to their advantage. Um, and then as well as Yurik Malagi, uh, uh, Chris Beard's former assistant at Texas Tech, and he's one of the best uh, recruiters in the country. Um, when it comes to, you know, recruiting prospects or recruiting in the transfer portal. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be huge uh, recruiting the state of Texas down the line. And he was able to put a staff together that, you know, the strengths are recruiting. And, um, you know, I think that's really important, especially with uh, some really, really good in-state classes coming up in 2022 and 2023. Uh, 23 is shaping up to be just as deep as 22. So it's going to, it's going to be pretty, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting here in these next couple of years to see what the staff can do on the recruiting circuit. All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for that basketball update. We are uh, There's a new buzz about basketball on campus, so um, I'm sure everybody is very appreciative. Let's go ahead and jump right to the mailbag. As always, you can get your mailbag questions to us on the Horse 24-7 message board when we ask for them, or you can send us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, any question you send with a five-star review uh, gets answered automatically, and we will start right there uh, at the iTunes page. Uh, what is your outlook on the receivers for the future and now? Um, <clears throat> so I'm not, a, I'm, I'm 
not clear on if this is regarding recruiting or, or on-campus receivers, but I'm just going to, since this is the state of recruiting, um, I'm just going to uh, to uh, answer this as a recruiting question. So um, I think I've been pretty clear. I, I guess I'm the last Evan Stewart believer in the world. Um, I think that Texas can certainly get him back. Um, I think that this is probably a four-man class at the most. Um, and so if you take Evan Stewart, Armani Winfield already on board, we've talked about Brennan Thompson, you know, a lot there. I think the fourth spot, um, if you get those three guys is, um, you know, you have guys like Kevin Coleman or, um, you know, CJ Williams. And I think there's also guys that may be offered down the road, uh, that, that Texas might be into as well. So, um, uh, you know, constantly when I ask about that position, I'm told we're not worried about it. We're going to get really good players. So uh, I think it's a good outlook for the, for the future. Yeah, I agree. There's a, you know, a ton of receivers in state and out of state to choose from for Texas. And, you know, they, they've done a pretty good job in prioritizing a lot of 2022 guys and setting up some, uh, you know, plan B's as well, uh, just in case, you know, their, their top targets don't pan out, but I see them panning out with those top, top targets. You know, there's guys like Evan Stewart, Brendan Thompson, Kevin Coleman, um, you know, our money Winfield's already in the class. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of receivers around that, you know, Texas is doing a pretty good job with and, you know, is able to, you know, they'll probably be able to secure. So um, that's a, like the coach, uh, like the sources have said recently, um, that's not a position group I'm worried about. Uh, from it's Jeremy P uh, with the staff, not being able to meet uh, families in person, what are the parents and families perspective early on with the coaching staff? It always varies, you know, it depends on the, the parent. Obviously, everybody's got a different experience with everybody. But I would say overall, um, it's been good. It's been a lot of good feedback we've heard from parents. Um, you know, this staff, I think, has been much more relentless in the way they recruit as a staff. Um, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian has been deeply, deeply involved in just about every recruitment there is. You know, I talked to a, a parent earlier this week that just said they were basically out on Texas this time last year because of the way the staff was recruiting. And um, now it's, uh, you know, it, it's totally changed. I think that um, one of the things I've heard is the, a lot of the contact has been way more thorough. Um, they're getting uh, basically a, a more complete presentation when it comes to these zoom calls and things like that, when it comes to not only football, but, you know, academics and support and all the, the many things that go into it. So uh, the, the feedback from my end has been good. Yeah. Same here. I've yet to hear a negative thing as far as, uh, you know, from whether it be from recruits or their families. I was talking to a uh, mother earlier this week um, who said uh, Sarkeesian was doing a really good job and, you know, connecting with her son and, uh, you know, making them feel important. And it's, it's really made Texas, uh, you know, a mainstay in that recruitment. Um, and that's kind of what I hear whenever I talk to most families, um, whether it be in 2022 or 2023, um, and the assistants. Um, you know, Sarkeesian has really kind of, you know, bled that down the uh, um, down the, uh, with the entire coaching staff, and um, they've done a really good job there so far. Um, from David Hume, who is a better deep threat, Evan Stewart or Kevin Coleman? I'm just going to answer this quickly. I think Evan Stewart's the best receiver in the country, and that means deep threat, short, everything. He does it all. Yeah, I actually had someone ask me yesterday who I thought was the best receiver in the country just from, you know, what I've seen. And I, I said Evan Stewart. Um, it, that could change, but right now uh, it's definitely Evan. 
Uh, from Get Hooked, how would you compare Evan Stewart and Xavier Worthy? Are there any similarities? Um, I haven't seen a ton of Worthy. I mean, obviously, both are elite, elite speed guys. I think uh, Worthy, from what I understand, is much more of a true slot. Um, so who can he can obviously go straight line fast, but a little more uh, wiggle in the middle of the field. Whereas I think Evan is a you know, he's, he's a burner straight line. He can go up and win the ball. Not that he doesn't have the fluidity to do it, but I think that Evan's almost purely an outside guy. Yeah. That's all you on uh, knowing Xavier worthy, but yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I haven't watched a ton of him yet, so uh, we'll see. Um, which position group from our starter 29, which position group concerns you as far as recruiting goes? Uh, I would say D line not sure why um seems like texas won't get an alfred collins type this year how many <laughs> just cheer up bud it's gonna get it's it'll be okay how many circus cycles can you miss out on top guys and before it starts to slow um i mean i would say that they don't make an alfred collins type every year um alfred collins is kind of a unicorn um d-line does not worry me i they've already got a a solid base to that that class with christopher ross committed i think that um they're in the conversation for a ton of guys yeah they might not get a mario boar and um you know that that's a, a problem but they got jatavian sanders last year and if he plays on defense he can be that type of player so um geez not sure guy uh, cheer up a little bit yeah, that's my point as well. The class of 2020 and the class of 2021, um, you know, fortunately, Sarkeesian was uh, able to inherit a solid roster on the defensive line. They could honestly go the rest of this class. They're not, but they could go the rest of this class with just Chris Ross committed. Um, and if he's the only one that signs, that room is still going to be incredibly deep next year. So uh, I wouldn't say D-line, which position group probably concerns me the most. Um I mean, I, I guess we could point to O-line just because the class of 2021 was obviously, you know, very subpar and, you know, bringing in some targets and there is a, there's yet to be a commit here in 2022, but um, you know, Texas is doing a really good job behind Kyle flood and recruiting the offensive line. So I feel like that problem is going to be solved here pretty soon. Yeah. I think like for me, and it's weird to say because Jeff Banks is uh, like over this position tight end, I guess would kind of worry me a little bit just because there's no real clarity. I mean, they're taking some shots at out of state studs right now. Um, and I don't think they're going to get any of them. So like, there's a lot of just uh, cloudiness around that. Um, okay. From den 12, uh, any new developments with cam Dewberry? I know it's mainly a Texas and Texas A&M battle despite cam Dewberry liking Ohio state early on our OU and Ohio state kept at bay for now. Uh, what is his timetable to decide? I don't think Cam's in any sort of hurry. There's nothing really new with him. Um, I would say it's a Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma battle right now. I don't think Ohio State's gone away uh, totally, but I think kind of when you get to this point in recruitment, guys who are going to stay closer to home start thinking about staying closer to home. Um, we'll see. You know, I think this one goes into the fall and maybe all the way to the end. So uh, I think Texas still has a lot of time there. Yeah, I believe the last time I talked to him, he gave me his decision timeline as uh, hoping he can decide on early signing day in December. Uh, but yeah, Texas, Texas A&M, OU, in no particular order, those are probably the top three. Um, but this is going to be a recruitment that really starts to separate once he can get out on some visits. All right. 
uh, from Hookum361. Hey, Mike and Nick, a few weeks ago, y'all were answering questions about 7-on-7 seven seven and how there are questionable rule changes and fights. Is there a governing body for 7-on-7 seven seven in each state, or is it controlled by whoever is hosting a given event? Also, what is your favorite event location to cover and in least favorite? Um, no, and that's the biggest problem is there is not a governing body, and it is up to basically who's ever running it and whatever referees they've hired and, and that sort of thing. So um, it, it's, it changes a lot from tournament to tournament. Um, favorite event location. Um, I'm not going to say least favorite because I definitely have one, but there's people <laughs> we know who do business out of that location and I don't want to hurt their business. Um, favorite event location. I mean, I, I don't hate it anytime anybody does anything at AT&T. So if they want to do <laughs> AT&T, I'm happy with that. I do like that Sportsplex out in the Woodlands that uh, Endzone has had a couple of tournaments at. It's pretty solid. And then hopefully, which I, I think it'll be able to come back this year, the uh, State 7-on-7 seven seven, um, with all of the high schools in Texas, they do a you know pretty good job hosting an event down in College Station, and that is always a ton of fun. Um, oh, that's yeah, that's also one of my least favorite places to watch. <laughs> it just gets really hot but the field yeah. is pretty pretty solid oh it's a great complex but it is in the middle of june early july and there's not a, a piece of shade in sight so i was um, torched by the sun there a yeah. couple of years ago it was bad when i heard that last year that they were in discussions to move it to arlington it was the happiest i've ever been about a piece <laughs> of news i i need to check back on that i would love to see what the progress on that is because be i I know exactly where they would play it in Arlington. It's by my old house. There's an El Arroyo right across the street from those fields um, and like 10 other bars. It would be fantastic. I would, it'd be a lot better than getting up and driving to College Station every day. So uh, from uh, T-Hook 1, uh, which out-of-state recruit does Texas have the best chance to land? Uh, we talked about two of them earlier today, but I'll go ahead and say Zach Swanson at the moment. Yeah, Zach Swanson, I believe, is the only guy we have crystal balls in uh, as far as out-of-state. Oh, Mike has a crystal ball in. He's, he's been the guy on that recruitment. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably have to say Zach Swanson as well. Uh, from Hookham Keyshawn, who do you think will be the first four-star better D-lineman that Bo Davis lands? Um, I think Thanks. actually – technically Chris Ross, yeah. I think – well, I think he's – is he a composite four-star? He is. He's already a composite four-star, and I think his, he's going to go up. I mean, I think our guys like him. So, um, I think Chris Ross will be that guy. Um, I'm trying to think of some other offers that are on the table to four-star guys. Um, I mean, it's just difficult. We've talked about it before, how this in-state defensive line class is, you know, really down this year. Um, it's really top-heavy, you know, with about three or four guys, and then after that it drops off severely. Um, so, that, this will probably be a question we could better answer in the fall. Um, but it could end up being, you know, a 2023 guy. I mean, no, I think like, I mean, I think Ross, by the time it's all said and done, is going to be a, a really big part of this class. I really like him. And, um, you know, he's been doing some things in the spring, especially on track and field that have um, have have changed that. He's already for us for 247 as close as you can get to four star status. So he will get there. Um from Carrollton Horn, what's a city or area that you would expect to put out uh, more recruiting talent than it has in the past? Hmm. Interesting. That is a good question. You know, it seems like there is a little resurgence in, in uh, West Texas. Um, Nick, maybe you could talk more about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, recruiting guys that have been going out there and identifying some guys and, 
Um, you know, the media is starting to trickle in out there as well. I mean, if we can just kind of look right now, there's some pretty solid recruits at post. There's about 40 miles outside of Lubbock. Um, Lubbock itself, Amarillo, Odessa, El Paso. Um, trying to think of some other programs out there that have, you know, been landing some offers. But um, if I'm pointing to a city or area that I would expect to put out more than it has, um, I'd probably say – I'd probably say Tyler, like itself, um, you know, there's only about one or two recruits every year. It seems like in the past two or three years, and I would expect about four or five. So um, I don't know. It's kind of nitpicking at that point. Um, maybe San Antonio as well. Uh, that's really just an under-recruited uh, region itself. Um, but yeah, those are a couple I point to. All right. Um, from HornsFan7612, is there anyone you're close to putting in a crystal ball for either for or against Texas? Man, I'm so close to putting in a Cole Hudson pick, but I, I just think it's going to wait until visits and, and things are going to really bear out there. So I'm going to wait and kind of see how things start trending there. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm I sitting here thinking. I don't think of any um, – I can't think of any guys that, you know, I'm close to putting a crystal ball in for. It was Tavor Jones forever, but we finally went ahead and did did that last week. Um, probably going to be holding off on putting in crystal balls until um, – uh, visits open up in June and, you know, some, some separation starts to happen just because I I'd be surprised if um, there are any commitments before then, not saying there won't be, but uh, I'd be surprised. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, from UTK 66, will you and Nick refuse to answer anything swoops asked for the next two weeks, just to see how nuts he goes. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's nice. So I'm not, I'm going to say no. <laughs> We like swoops sometimes. Yeah. Um, from, uh, let's see, uh, Nolmo2000, who is the first offensive lineman to commit and win? Um, I'm still going to say Connor Robertson, although I think Stanford is, is making that a very, very interesting recruitment. Um, and I'm going to say it happens either late, late May, early June, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Uh, Connor Robertson's really kind of the only guy we're keeping an eye on right now as far as, you know, an offensive lineman who could pop pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to say the same. Okay. Um, now that official visits uh, – this is from Orange Base 53 or Orange Bass 53. Uh, now that official visits are opening back up on June 1st, that's not official yet, although we do expect it to be. Um, do you see more of the players moving official visits out back out to the fall so they can experience – uh, games and new facilities at Texas. I think Texas wants more guys in the summer because they're not incredibly thrilled about the home uh, football schedule. It's not like they've got an LSU game on the schedule. So um, I, I think they want to get as many guys in in the summer as they can. Um, and I think a lot of guys want to get their things, their uh, visits, visits in and make that de uh, decision before the season. Yeah, um, I'm trying to sit here probably like the biggest home game um, and probably like number two on that list would be the opening game against uh, Lafayette. Um, that's expected to be a, a ranked matchup. But um, yeah, I think the uh, Texas staff definitely wants to get, get these guys in on campus uh, in June, uh, you know, be able to build relationships with them and, you know, really be able to focus on them without having to focus on game day planning and stuff like that. So um, expect that to happen. All right. Um... From uh, Longhorn Fan 815, I asked previously uh, and sometime early in the cycle who was better out of Evan Stewart and Garrett Wilson. To which you responded, Wilson, do you still feel the same? Um, and how would you rank Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, 
uh, Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy. Um, I still feel the same. I still feel Garrett Wilson. Evan is, is I've said it a million times. He's a better athlete than Garrett Wilson. Um, but thought Garrett just had something special to him. It, it really had just a, a tenacious attitude in the way he played the game and his body control and things like that, that are just natural that, um, you know, I think Evan maybe still lacks a little bit of, so not to say either of them are, are bad. I just think if you're going to ask me, I'll, I'll pick Garrett. Um, as far as ranking those quarterbacks, I've seen a little Malachi. I've seen almost no Arch Manning. Um, I, I've seen a lot of Quinn and a lot of Malik. I, I couldn't do it now. I mean, I would, obviously I'd, I would, I think I'd rank Malik behind Quinn. Um, and I would think I would rank Malachi higher, but like, I, again, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of them. Uh, yeah. I'd have to go with Garrett Wilson as far as the Garrett Wilson versus Evan Stewart um, conversation. Um, and how would I rank these guys? I, I probably don't have a ranking, but I do want to mention Malachi Nelson has had a huge season in the spring so far. Um, he's been tearing it up out West. Probably the, if we had to point to like an MVP in California, uh, this season, it'd probably be Malachi. He's had an awesome year. Um, but Malik has been uh, turning it up himself in, in the past couple of weeks. So uh, that's also pretty encouraging. But all four of these quarterbacks are pretty solid. And you wouldn't be um, um, you wouldn't be sad to get any of those guys. All right. Um, let's see. From Riggins Riggs, uh, 33. After reading these 100-meter times for Stuart Thompson, et cetera, uh, I got to know what are your guys' 100-meter times. Nick seems like a sub-11, uh, but I bet Mike's burst off the line is underrated. There is nothing underrated. It is accurately rated that I am slow um, as can be. I I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I've tried to run 100. I'm not sure I could break a 13. So I am flattered that he thinks I'm a sub-11 guy, so we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, there is no way Nick is a sub-11. Like <laughs> – I'm I'm actually reading the stock up article about like guys that they just bought are looking at recruiting as we're doing this. And I'm reading the Terrence Brooks section. Terrence Brooks just posted an 11 five. Nick's not faster than Terrence Brooks. Hey, uh, there's no, uh, no way to know unless we do it. Uh, with uh, coach Paul one says with Sark, what kind of effect or I'm sorry, effort and focus will be given to out of state recruiting as compared to the past coaching regime. I think they're obviously going to uh, to work that area um, as hard as they can, the areas they know. So, I mean, you're seeing that a lot with PK and Choate working the West, but um, it's just going to depend cycle to cycle, position to position. I think they'd like to fill those needs in Texas, but obviously they have the ability to go out of state if they need to. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm reading this question right now. What kind of effort and focus will be given to out-of-state recruiting as compared to the past coaching regimes? There's a lot of guys on this staff that have connects, you know, across the country. And like we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, you know, there's some coaches on the staff that are being able to branch Texas into different parts of the country that, you know, in some, in some instances they've never been to before, such as, you know, Reno, Nevada, or Seattle, um, or, uh, you know, places across the country. So, um, we're definitely going to see the staff recruit um, the West side of the United States pretty well. Um, but that's not to say that they haven't been recruiting the East side well as well. So um, uh, yeah, they're doing a pretty good job so far. All right. And um, our last question, Nick, maybe you can answer this one from Iceman 44. Actually, this is not our last question. I have a Charles Daniels one from last week. I need to get to um, from Iceman 44. Please give me your opinion. Major, uh, major Everhart from, t- uh, 
to Amarillo Tuscosa. I haven't seen him, so Nick, if you've seen him, well, please yeah, wait. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen him in um, in person in the football setting. I've seen him in a track setting, um, but he is a a, a lightning fast uh, all purpose back out of Amarillo Tuscosa. Um, you know, I think he's definitely a guy that can go FBS and maybe even Power Five. I think he would be perfect for a school like TCU. So, um, uh, yeah, he's definitely a name I'm keeping an eye on, but not as far as uh, Texas Longhorns recruiting. All right. And um, our last question from uh, Charles Daniels. Mike and Nick, I was a seven-on-seven tournament and saw a highly touted starting quarterback at a big-time 6A school getting cussed out by his perform- about his performance by a coach. There was a lot of media there, and it was pretty widely noticed. At what point is it not worth it for big-time recruits to play seven-on-seven? And have you ever seen an incident in seven-on-seven change or negatively affect recruitment? Um, I'm never going to say it's, like, not worth it, but you do have to figure out and find the right fit for you and the right coaches and things for you. And guys are going to coach you in seven-on-seven. But I do see a lot of, like, people berating kids in a way that I'm not even sure their high school coaches would. So, um, you know, that sort of thing can do it. But uh, I do know the person in question. He's young. You know, he still has a lot of reps to get. So he'll be fine, um, I, I think, for him. You know, I, I think if you're asking me if I ever see anything negative, it's more just performance stuff. Um, you know, it's been ups and downs. Like There were times I saw Casey Thompson look not great in seven-on-seven seven when he was playing. So um, obviously, you know, he's been able to uh, still, you know, play pretty well when he's got in at Texas. So um, I, I think for the most part, it's just about finding that right fit, though, with the right team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, me personally, if, you know, I, I was a recruit um, and, you know, I had, you know, 25, 30 offers on the table from, you know, just about any school that, you know, I would want to get into, I wouldn't be playing seven on seven, but that's just me personally. These kids obviously love the competition um, and uh, yeah, I would definitely play regardless and, you know, try to find that right fit and that, um, you know, right coaching staff to, you know, be able to develop me on the seven on seven circuit. And there was actually uh, some talk on Twitter last week, um, you know, from our uh, good friends here in the Dallas area. And they're like, you know, seven on seven is, you know, a lot like, you know, finding um, the right college for you. It's finding the right fit and, you know, what team works best and, um, you know, where you can, you know, shine the most. So, um, you know, there, there's definitely some strategy to it. And, uh, but if it were me personally, I probably wouldn't play unless I didn't have any offers and, you know, I was trying to get some exposure then for sure. But, uh, yeah, that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on your, your you know, what you look like at the time. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, I am, uh, I know you've got a, a radio thing to do. I've got to cook dinner and then I've got another podcast due tonight. Um, but we appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate everybody for playing along. Uh, thanks for, for joining us. And uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 